Welcome back to And the Beat Goes On, Dating After Divorce. This is Jackie Trammell, and I am here with my co-host, Dion McDonald. Hi. And we have a special guest with us today as well. Yeah, so before we really get into this topic at hand, um, we have been talking about the last couple of episodes, and those of you who have been listening to us know that we discussed married men jumping into the dating pool. Episode three. And ghosting. Episode four, so and, you're all up to date. But guess what? There's been a plot twist. Yeah, so funny how one person can maybe be a topic of conversation in more than one of our episodes. <laughs> and so in that spirit, you might recall, if you listened to episode three, me talking about the skipper. The skipper. And how he ended up being married, although he hadn't represented himself that way <laughs> when we first met online, mm. and that he ran from my house in the middle of the night and then blocked me mm-hmm. on all platforms. So I had no way to get a hold of him, Right, which was fine. I mean, once I realized he was married, I wasn't really trying to get a hold of him anymore. <laughs> um, and then for, for those of you who see our Facebook page, I posted the other night a cute little zombie picture because we had right. talked about zombieing. Uh-huh, which is kind of a new term to you at the time, right? Right. I had not heard of zombieing prior to episode four. So um, if you have skipped that episode, first of all, go back and listen to it. And second <laughs> of all, zombieing is when someone has ghosted you and then they return from the grave. So the skipper who ghosted <laughs> me as a married man mm-hmm. also zombied me so the other night literally moments after i posted that picture of the zombie on our (sighs) facebook page i get a text from him that asked me how's work going unbelievable how's work going so so no mention of the skipper shaped hole that he left in your wall i will say he did after so he sent three texts in relatively quick succession Mm. the third one it took him about an hour and then that one came through but relative to the eight or nine weeks since I had heard from him right that was a pretty did he apologize at all he said he owes me an apology did he apologize apologize. okay he did acknowledge that he was being a dick (laughs) so there's that I could think of many many words and then he said again how's work going oh my god so I I responded and long story short I just told him look I don't really have anything to say to you And please don't contact me again. But remember I said, why don't you play with them a little bit? Just play with them. Mess with them. Well, after a few days, I did feel a bit like I had let him off the hook a little too easily. So I did send him via a friend whose phone number he wouldn't know. Um, She actually sent him a link to our third episode (laughs) where he has talked at great length and suggested that he might Uh find it educational. Yes. Um, He did not respond to her, so I don't know. Shocking. I doubt he would listen, but um, I sure hope that he does. Anyway, I just think that's such poetic justice. It was pretty funny. I just think that is just a fun little plot twist. Timing is everything. So thanks, Jackie, for that update. And um, without further ado, we're going to get into today's topic. So today's episode is called Against All Odds. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I have been kind of tuned into what's happening on a national level, which is this little thing called election season. Because of that, we have started talking about various differences, shall we say, um, between you and someone that you may potentially want to date. And politics is a major one, but there are others. Oh, yeah, there's quite a few. 
and and we'll go into quite a few or not quite a few we'll go into a few of them today i think mm-hmm. some of, we'll hit some of the big ones today but these are major lifestyle differences um what happens when you're dating someone or thinking of dating someone and they have a major lifestyle differences so politics is a big one and that's one that i think we're all kind of it's on our minds right now religion finances child raising oh yeah whether mm-hmm. um, whether you have children or not yeah you know, healthy living. Do you like to exercise? What do you like to do? Yes. I, that was actually one that we hadn't talked about, but it popped into my mind yesterday. Me too. And then I meant to say something and bright, shiny object. So we just... <laughs> squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> so we just thought this would be a particularly appropriate topic to hit upon, given that it is election season, and it's arguably one of the most important election seasons of our lifetime. At least I think so. So we do have a special guest today with us. Yes. We're calling him... Dr. Frognocker. Welcome, Dr. Frognocker. I can't believe you actually uh, <laughs> use that term. We joked about it. Well, <laughs> I just don't think it could be anything else. I mean, and just for purposes of um, anonymity, he is, however, a clinical psychologist with over 30 years' experience in mental health practice. So I think Dr. Frognocker is going to have a lot of good, interesting insights for us today. Yes, I'm, I'm, we're really excited that you're here and very grateful. And also just your continued support of us and this, this program. So thank you. And also he looks really nice. He's dressed very professionally. He yeah, he really know, did. That was nice. Kind of put us to shame, but that's okay. Well, I'm, I'm very honored to be here. <laughs> I'm also a little nervous, maybe terrified of what's to come. Oh, no, no. We're gonna be, we'll be gentle with you. Hopefully you'll have fun. I think our guests usually have fun, right? Yeah, they're usually like okay. smiling. That's what word on the street is. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so Jackie, what do you, you want to well, start off? So I think when we were talking earlier, you had some interesting information about just sort of on major lifestyle differences. And then I think we can kind of tackle each of them maybe individually. Yeah. So generally speaking, like I said, when you're looking for a partner, I think in, sometimes you say that opposites attract. And that, that can be true. In fact, for instance, married and single well. would be opposites. <laughs> and that, sometimes that might, okay. be <laughs> that might be considered something completely Oh, okay. That's not what we're different. talking about. Different. Okay. Um, so the Pew, Pew Research Center did some polls on this, and they discovered that 88% of people view love as the most important factor in a marriage. Okay, that seems kind of obvious, right? That's actually good to hear. However, of all people say that common interest is the most important. And I thought that was actually kind of high. So it does prove that a lot of people are looking for people that have common interests. But are we talking just general interests or are we talking major lifestyle differences? Because I think those are two different things. Like, oh, I like to go watch sports. Oh, I don't. I mean, that's one thing. But what about if you come from a completely different religious background or completely different political background? I think those are two different levels. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I agree. So I think what we're talking about right now is major lifestyle differences. So like I said, politics, religion, finances, um, how to raise children. Do you have children? Do you not have children? Um, There have been studies that show that there are certain qualities, certain incompatible qualities that are actually very difficult in long-term success, relationship success. So some of these are ideas around money. Outlook. Are you an optimist? Or are you a pessimist? Sexual needs. How often do you want sex? Are you experimental in your sexual life? We're going to need to come back to that one. I'm just saying. this is. This I didn't is... make notes on that one, but I do want to come back to that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. For sure. So these are some of the, the 
bigger issues that come up. And these are some of the more important issues that will determine whether or not you can have success long term. So none of the experts are saying that you can't have major differences, but they're saying that it could be more difficult if you have differences in these big life things. Dr. Fognacher, you look like you might have something to, to <laughs> say about that. <laughs> I, saw, I saw you nodding or looking very thoughtful over there. You're very perceptive, you two. Mm -hmm. So, well, I, I think, first of all, we got to clarify that I think it's interesting you chose that pseudonym for me, and it, it was actually based on a conversation we had mm -hmm. back uh, many, many years ago when I had a Match.com profile and oh. trying to write those witty things. And you've probably already been through, you know, what, you know how to attract a mate or mm -hmm. through how to filter on these profiles. Episode two. Right. So you're always looking for those things that are provocative or kind of uh, <laughs> get some curiosity going. And it just so happens that I'd put a, a, a door knocker on my door okay. because of a frog. And for some reason, when I said frog knocker, it just sounded <laughs> totally inappropriate. And yet and, uh, so perfect. Exactly. So, so perfect. So one of those very witty things in my profile, of mm -hmm. course, because I'm a very witty person, if you ask me. Was, uh, <laughs> We yeah, agree. Yeah, well, it worked for you, right? right? Exactly. To ask me about my frog knocker. And, <laughs> uh, and believe it or not, several people, including this beautiful woman in the room with us today, uh, asked me about my frog knocker. So, <laughs> anyway. So, so, so just so in case you guys didn't get that, Dr. Frog Knocker did meet his beautiful wife on Match.com. Yes. So apparently the frog knocker shtick worked. But also, once we heard that story... There's literally no way you could ever be anything but Dr. Frognocker for purposes of this podcast. Anonymity. Mm. And it's it's just so fitting. Okay. So as long as you're not offended by it. I mean it's it's your it's your show. All right. <laughs> uh oh, I hope that doesn't mean you are offended. <laughs> no, no. You'd mention you would use it. He's got a great sense of humor. We know this about him. And I guess too by kind of taking that to the next level is you, you gotta kiss a lot of frogs in my opinion, if you're going to date, particularly online, because the number of opportunities are much greater. Mm -hmm. Knowing somebody, you can introduce you to a friend or meeting that person right. in a bar. Mm. Um, so so there's a lot of frogs and a lot of knockers. Okay. <laughs> no? No. Okay. Well, I, I mean. Really I'm just, it's another perspective. Right. It is. It's the beauty of this dynamic. Right. So when you were on Match.com, if I can get a little personal, um, I don't, I've not used Match.com, so I don't know what type of information they allow you to put on the profile. Um, do they have things like politics, religion, things like that? It's funny you ask that question because um, this is you know, almost 20 years ago, started using that platform. Wow. <laughs> it seems like just yesterday. When you were just a I baby. I know. Right. I you know. were like three, four? I, I got started early. Mm-hmm. But actually, yeah, after you know being married and divorced for right. you know, a number of years too, so I wasn't that young or that naive. Uh, but it was interesting that um, they were just trying to figure out these paradigms. You had the usual questions: mm -hmm. looking for someone who was male, female, blonde, <laughs> brunette. You could even really they had hair. To, oh, to height. they had I don't that. Know what's on there now that you could specify religious preference, pets, mm -hmm. okay. kids, one I think. I mean, the, okay. I think a lot of the variables that you alluded to earlier about what's important or what would mm -hmm. be the most divisive issues, but 
it was funny that the, probably the only reason we're together is Match had started a brand new uh, kind of paradigm where they would give you a percentage match and they would look at your profiles and the number of hits wow. and uh, these different preferences. And I'm not sure what other sorts of things went into their modeling. But this one uh, person came back as like the best match on the whole area for match.com like 99.7 okay that's incredible that's crazy but the problem was is she didn't have a picture with her profile so uh and that was my number one rule is i would never you know respond really that didn't have a picture because there must be hiding something maybe she's married maybe uh <laughs> she's not my type and there were enough profiles that I really didn't feel compelled that uh -huh. to dig through all those you know, many, many ones where there was no picture. Yeah. But anyway, it got my attention. And uh, so... But she was 99.7%. Might have been 0.4. But, but over... Oh, okay. Well, over oh 99%. Oh, my gosh. Well, thanks for taking a risk on her. <laughs> so I'm, I'm assuming that means then that the big, th the big questions were answered already for you. The, the major lifestyle differences. Probably a lot of them were They're taking, matched. In okay. That, assuming we were both truthful in the way that we mm -hmm. filled out what our preferences were, which I, I think is the case. Well, in 20 years in, I'm, I'm going to, right. yeah, I'm going to guess that that was the case. Right. So I would say it was um, pretty much right on. And had it not been for that fortuitous match, I mean, mm. I'm sure both of us had dated many, many people in a variety <laughs> platforms <laughs> many and had, many and people had, had lots of single dates and mm -hmm. some uh you know short kind of term relationships that um you know didn't work out for whatever reason um but it, i think that uh that, that was just plain luck that we connected and i think that's so much about finding anybody yeah it's luck and uh, and i think one of the things that we had a commonality was with uh, kayaking and it was kind of one of the jokes that she already had her own kayak. You have lots of girls who will say, yeah, I want a kayak. <laughs> or I went on a kayaking trip right. and rented some boats and we went around. But she actually owned her own Kevlar kayak. And Whoa. so I knew that uh, it was more than just talk. So anyway, that was impressive. So, so let me ask you this, though. Suppose, okay, so you guys were on Match.com, which actually looks at all of those types of issues and matches you be, like, based on those. What if you had been on another site, like I've been on Bumble, they don't match you. You have to match yourself. So what if you had seen her picture, and she's beautiful, obviously, um, would you, but, but maybe she had to be on her profile, like, well, I'm not going to out you as far as your politics, or, but what if she had had something on there that basically told you she does not have the same type of lifestyle that I do. Would that have made a big difference? Yeah, it definitely would have. And, and had, She's nodding, by the way. <laughs> and, and had I not been married and then unmarried, mm. I probably would not be as sensitive to how important that was. You know, oh. A cute person or a fun person or somebody who liked to go out for dinner or those that we have in common might have been interesting enough. But after having been through, you know, mismatches right then you, you start kind of tightening up what's mm -hmm. that's a i agree such a good point we were talking about that earlier so can i ask you a question how many years passed between when your marriage ended and you met the wonderful woman that you're now married mrs. to? mrs frog knocker mrs frog knocker <laughs> right. uh, 
Uh-oh. <laughs> no, no, no. I'd, I'd been, let's see, Benny, it'd been probably about six or nine months because I had been with uh, that, I'd been dating, I won't say her name. I hope so. <laughs> right. We want everyone to listen. Before that separation, right? Too. So it was a long, gradual process. Yeah. So there, there'd been um, a lot of um, there was enough time in there, but um, but yeah, it, it, I think that my lesson is being a psychologist and listening to everybody's story. Mm-hmm. Uh, relationships are just unbelievably complicated. <laughs> well, the reason I asked that question is my experience has been since the time that my marriage ended and the different relationships that I've had and just people that I've gone out with, the things that you talk about where you say, these things are super important to me and I'm not willing to flex on them. Right. For me, those things have changed slightly as I've gotten to know myself better in this period of time since the end of my marriage and where I am today. So there are some things that if if you had asked me on the day I got divorced, mm-hmm. what are your must-haves and and won't deal with? Right. They're a little different than what they are today. Give me an example. Um, well, they're smaller ticket items. I think the big fundamental differences, like what we're talking about, okay. are probably not on that list. But I'm just curious because of what you were saying. This sounds so petty. No. When I first got divorced, I really loved to play golf. And I was like, I'm only going to date men who golf. And then over the years, I've been like, eh, I can golf without a guy. Like, right. that's fine. And a few other things that I remember thinking, gosh, this is so important, and realizing later that's actually less important than what I thought. Right. Um, but I do think the fundamental things don't change. Well, and that leads me to my question. Are there deal breakers? Are there areas in which you just will not or should not compromise or cannot compromise? Well, some of the research that I saw um, – online when I was looking specifically at how to approach dating if you have different religious beliefs and some of what what I read indicated that if you don't think you can you can have a relationship with someone I'm, I'm going to look at what my notes say here sorry um, but it, it's if you think that dating someone with a different set of religious beliefs than your own will mm-hmm. fundamentally impact or harm the way that you feel or the way you believe Mm-hmm. then you shouldn't proceed. But then there are other circumstances that are outlined where the this author said, you know what, it's okay as long as you follow certain – there's tips, right? But, okay, but it's so, okay to say, in this case, this is a deal breaker. Right. I think that's okay to say. Well, okay, so here's my for instance. So in my first marriage, um, I married this person. Both of us agreed we did not want children. We We just knew that. We didn't want children. We were in our early 20s, but I knew that about myself. Well, guess what? That changed for him. That did not change for me. That was something we could not compromise on. How do you compromise on having a child? You can't. One of you gets your way. And I, as the person who was going to birth the child, (laughs) I decided. Wait, he wasn't willing to do that? (laughs) Oh, you know, they all say that, right? Oh, honey, if only I could, I would. Yeah, Mm, bullshit, because they know they can't. But no, I, we, we talked about it and talked about it, and I thought maybe my I could change my mind and I just couldn't and that and I felt terrible because I didn't know he was going to want that later on so I wanted him to be able to have that and he does now and good for him but it wasn't going to be for me 
That's a tough one. So here's what I would like to ask you, Dr. Frognocker. If um, (laughs) one of the other experts that that I was reading from, and she was talking about specifically political differences. And she's, she's a psychologist who's been in a mixed political marriage for quite a number of years. And um, she, she said that fundamentally, or I guess psychologically, the, the issue particularly with political differences boils down to something psychological, which is how can the person that I love see the world so differently from me? That's so good. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I do, and I think that, uh, like most of us have experienced, uh, differences in political viewpoints have become so much more <laughs> black and white than I had ever experienced Polarized. in the prior decades of mm-hmm. my life, and, um, and really comes down to almost an ideology and identification, and uh, so um, I, I can't imagine these days um, finding someone who would be opposite, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in one of the primary parties being able to deal with those gymnastics. Although, you know, anecdotally through, you know, seeing patients through my life, and I, I did not want to deal with relationships as a psychologist. I was, <laughs> messy, you know, I'm not a Lord knows. family therapist, I don't want to be in the combat trenches with people having relationship problems, so I'm going to, people are going to come in and I'm going to see them as an individual and we're mm-hmm. going to deal with their issues mm-hmm. and mostly I work with people that have neurological challenges mm. and lo and behold, people tended to bring in people and relationships <laughs> in these meetings, much to my dismay. <laughs> and, and and well, because that's part of who we are, right? Our relationships define us. Right. It's, uh, I think it's, it's normal you know, human behavior is to have mm-hmm. relationships and develop intimate relationships. Uh, it's how we view ourselves. It is, I think, through based relationship. on how we relate right. to the people around us and the people mm-hmm. we love. Yep. That's very true. And you could go into all sorts of theory about, you know, why we gravitate towards certain people that validate an image that we would like to portray, and it gets into all sorts of levels of complexity there. But ultimately, the interesting thing is, is I would see people together, I just could not believe ever got together in the first place, and they were just kind of uh, train wrecks when it came to lack of commonalities and different value systems. And it was just really amazing to me. You know, often one of the icebreaker questions that I would ask in, in meeting people is, you know, "How did you meet?" Mm-hmm. And, and most everybody you know, gets animating and they talk about how they met their spouse. I mean, ninety-nine percent of the time, there's there's a story. Ninety-nine point seven percent of the time, maybe point four. Okay, <laughs> just curious. But I mean, you would get those people that were like, "Well, you know, my brother was dating you know, her sister, right?" And uh, they introduced Cute. us, and we got along just fine. But for the most part, there's you know, some sort of spark or the context or something, uh, childhood sweethearts or you know, something came up along the way that was kind of an interesting story. And, uh, and for people who met younger, uh, you often saw people that were the shared activities or values weren't as much of an issue for yeah. people who met when, later in life and when they kind of knew where they were going or they had an activity set that yeah. they liked to do. Uh, but I, I can remember one common uh, dilemma that I saw was I would have, it was typically wives bringing their husbands in to assess whether they had Asperger's disease. Oh! oh. It's not a disease, it's a disor- disorder. But, um, That's and, fascinating. And it's actually been removed. 
autism spectrum there that, yeah. that would fit into. And, <laughs> but they, essentially, the wife would have, typically in this area, would be a scientist or somebody who worked in aerospace industry, somebody <laughs> who was very smart, right. very accomplished, and, and had the things that you would get when you had professional employment. Um, but they would say, all from the beginning, was never responsive to her emotions or needs, you know, wouldn't dialogue, that they basically just, uh, you know, would, uh, they would coexisted for decades and often had raised kids together. Yeah. And now, decades later, uh, I want you to diagnose my husband with Asperger's. <laughs> so I can Which, give him a pill or get him some treatment right. or well, something it's to interesting. him. But it's interesting, though, because one of the incompatible qualities that I was talking about earlier is that it's emotional expression and is it maybe it's a generalization but isn't it true that typically women are more emotionally expressive than men in relationships uh, typically but uh, not exclusively but no typically yeah but but, but yeah i mean if you go with the stereotype but then where's the line drawn between unemotional and spectrumy <laughs> or i mean i think that the the line that's interesting is if you're these you know, provoking questions that you have here is, uh, you know, what will you settle for and not settle for? In right. the beginning of the relationship, kind of the model seemed to be they were willing to settle for somebody who was stable, right. and somebody who was employed, and somebody who was smart, and somebody who could figure things out. Could take care of them, in a sense? Would but, be it, a but in this kind of um, model that I saw play out on numerous occasions, there was no argument that really anything would change. The uh, husband was always that way, <laughs> even before he was the husband, and it was just that over the years, then the wife became more frustrated. That, uh, Wanted more, So maybe? maybe what changed was her tolerance for that difference in whether it's emotional expression or just communication in general. Or what she wanted in a yeah, relationship, maybe, what she was looking for. Maybe, yeah, maybe for women, you're... I know that as I've gotten older, I'm willing to tolerate less BS from a partner, which is why I think at my age it's harder to find a partner that's a good fit because I have a hmm. higher threshold or maybe a, a, lower, a lower threshold, lower maybe, threshold yeah. for what I'm willing to compromise right. upon. And so I wonder if that's true even inside of a relationship. Would someone reach that same conclusion of I'm not willing to compromise on this any longer? Well, and, and you also get to the point, because I've gotten to that point, in your mid-40s, or you're, you realize life is finite. We're not going to live forever. Mm -hmm. So how do I want to spend the remaining years I have on this earth, and who do I want to spend it with? And so your tolerance does go down for, for the bullshit, like you were saying. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I can remember having these thoughts um, when I was dating again, and they were after, you know, all the people I dated on the dating All platform. the people. <laughs> all the people. All the people. Oh, hey, now. Was hey, now. Was it like Santa's list? Like, you just you unroll it and, like, <laughs> no. Like just all. Like but maybe just, those were the naughties. Maybe that was, that the, was the naughty list. The no's. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just yeah, teasing. No, no, no. I, I, I thought that, that it, was, it was very, I learned a lot about myself mm -hmm. the online dating and, uh, and being able to having so many people there. You could readily mm. um, so but the, the thing that you know the conversation I kept happen, having I don't want to settle and I think we all say that we're compromise right. or settle and having 
prior relationships before and you kind of see and you're like, oh, definitely not going to sell that again. <laughs> well, you know right. what you don't want. You know right. what you won't put up with the next time around. Right. And so, and so I think that the, <laughs> the more you go through those relationships, you learn about yourself, the things that really drive you crazy or disappointing mm-hmm. and uh, that you yearn for. So I, I would argue that each time you go through a relationship, and assuming you ended the relationship and people just aren't dropping you. Right. That can happen. That can happen. I mean, it could be, oh, I'm, I'm totally happy here. Let's go on. Let's go. Can we come next day? Okay, so what I learned right. is don't date someone that doesn't want me. Yeah, yeah that'd be good. Or that's married. Or, well, I learned that. Okay. I, I have that one down now. Right. By the way, how's work going? <laughs> <laughs> well, so so one thing that I was reading up on is if you if you do decide to proceed into a relationship that, where there are some major differences, where whether it's emotional expression, politics, religion, whatever, how do you cope with those differences? And one thing that the the experts, and I say in quotes, but all of the articles that I read agreed upon is that if you're going to date someone who is very different from you on a certain level, it's really important that you learn to accept that person for who they are. And basically, at this point in our lives, I think Jackie and I had been talking about this. You know, we're in our mid-40s. We are who we are. Yes, there are... There, Late 40s there, over here. Uh, but okay, I thank like you to for say, being generous. Oh my gosh. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm only one year younger than you, and I say I'm mid-40s. Girl! Yeah, but that year is the, the defining year. <laughs> Anyway, we're in our 40s now. We're, oh gosh, we're, anyway, yep. not going to go on that road. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are who we are. And there's always evolving that can happen. But essentially, I'm coming into this relationship and I am who I am. So how can I accept, or how can I not accept my partner for who they are? Um, so that's a big one, accepting who the person is, respecting them. And I believe you touched on this, Dr. Frognucker. Finding common ground. You have to, if you are going to proceed into a relationship with someone who's very different than you, it's really important that you're able to find some common ground with them because there always is the common ground. Well, and in the reading that I did, the mm-hmm. the author I was, or the psychologist I was talking about previously said the most important thing is that she actually said it's okay to avoid the topic. If it's not healthy and you can't have the conversation in a civil, constructive way, it's okay not to have it at all um, if it's going to hurt you or your partner or the relationship. And she also said it's really important to remind yourself of the things you love about them and the things right. that you have in common. Right. So I think that resonates with what you were just totally. saying. Well, and I like what you said about having, like, deciding just not to talk about things because I think that's really important as well. Like, sometimes you, like you were saying earlier, it's hard to imagine that the person you love doesn't think the same way you do. And I know, I'm just going to admit for my part, I get very emotionally involved in my opinions and my thoughts. What? What? Uh-uh. <laughs> right. Dion, I like your, really? I like, uh <laughs> Right. And so it is hard when my partner doesn't see things the way I see them. But I think it's important, and for me, it's funny because with my partner, he wants to just like keep going at it. Like I think he thinks he's going to convince me of his point of view, and for him, it's almost a lo- an exercise in logic. Whereas for me, I'm totally emotionally invested, so I get really upset and I just want to cry sometimes. Well, and you're back at that point of how is it that this person I love yes. doesn't see the world the same way that I do? Right. So sometimes I just have to say we need to agree to disagree 
on this. Now, I know Dr. Frogknocker and his beautiful wife can't really relate because 97.4% of them is exactly the same. I'd say it's more like... <laughs> No. Like 99.7%. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I feel some waffling going on here. Hashtag relationship goals. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's you really. That is aspirational and inspirational. Um, well, I think that there's a, kind of another story too that came back that we were fortunate enough that we separated for a couple weeks when we met online because my. My wife was back home visiting her family, and uh, so we would send emails back and forth. And she was busy, and for some reason didn't want her mother to know that she was dating guys online. So <laughs> well, kind of mom's gonna be a little old-fashioned. <laughs> I think in this day and age, there's even still a certain like Stigma? I kind of cringe a little yeah. if I, you know, to admit when you've met someone totally. online. Even though it's so normal now, it's still there's this this fear of judgment. It's a stigma. There's still Completely. a little bit of a stigma. I remember when so I, I can relate. When I first when I well, I'm still this way. When people ask how I met my boyfriend, I immediately pause and I think I got to make up a story. <laughs> but yes, we met online. <laughs> yeah, it was helpful for us to have a couple weeks of uh, we have like one email exchange oh. a day. So we would kind of, you'd be on late at night and, uh, nice. and you know, different East Coast, West Coast time. I would get in the morning and um, it'd be kind of interesting. We'd ask questions. And then I think one of the questions you asked are like, you know, what are the top 10 qualities that you're looking for? Oh, that's an know, important one. In a, in a partner. So, uh, so we'd go down and have these check boxes, you know, and we'd go through there. And, uh, so you guys had kind of an... It was like, you had like an old-fashioned courtship. You were writing letters to each other. An old-fashioned courtship no. over the internet, which well, is like, no, it's cool. Like It's, it's an oxymoron a little bit. But you, you were courting. They were courting But you were using the email. technology that was available. I love it. It's kind of the best all, of all worlds. All along, I didn't have a picture of her yet. But oh, when did that happen? Oh, yeah. Of course, she's like, well, you know, of course, you know, 16, 18 years ago, then People didn't have everything on their phones. As you didn't just did take now. a selfie. <laughs> right. But, but I remember her saying, don't worry, you won't be disappointed. Oh, nice. I love that. I love the self-confidence. No. Right? Like, you, she's Hell no. a gorgeous woman. Totally. So you really both got, I mean, I don't want to say lucky. I think blessed. But really, I mean, you had so much compatibility. But they worked at it. But also, we kiss a lot of frogs. Like, yeah. yeah. But I think that I think that most of that was we kind of learned that the previous relationships just hadn't worked out what was lacking, right. what we were longing for, and it really came down to those core issues beyond the framework that Match kind of gave us a, mm -hmm. a, a, a foot up on that. To, you know, go through those basic issues with kids and you know, preference. Um, so, uh, so we were able to really kind of launch, and we really had no investment at that point other than we had met on this platform that said we'd be, so everything <laughs> was on the table right in the beginning. Nice. And I think we were both pretty honest at laying out what it was that we were looking for in the future, and we probably got 500 pages, not just for that two weeks, but over the first coming months of dialogue about what we would really want in our spouse, and, uh, and then dialogue about what didn't work out mm -hmm. in that previous relationship. And my kind of lesson learned was if, you can, if you're lucky enough to find a very compatible person, there's not a lot you have to work through or forgive or accept.
Wow. <laughs> That's very touching. But That's it, so great. But, but there's so many things that go into that, though. I mean, yeah. part of it is just blind luck. Uh, part of it is persistent and mo- yeah. persistence and motivation and using the tools that we have now to find right. people and to be efficient in screening people and to have people who are honest about their marital status or <laughs> and other things. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That yeah. was that's honesty a, that's a non-starter. Right. Well, I think that's the important part. I mean, I think we really focused on what do we really want and what was really important to us and this is what we we focused on first. So, so in case you can't hear, um the lovely wife, Mrs. Frognocker, is concurring that they really had to do the work and think about what they truly wanted, mm-hmm. and they they did the work, and they they knew themselves at this point. Like you guys were a little older, and you had been there, done that, and you knew what you were looking for. Well, and I think today, I mean, if we had differing political views, I think that would be very difficult, and I think that people have to be very grown up and have to be willing to work through that if that's what's important to you. And well, we're talking about political differences, and I think one of the things that, and, and again, Mrs. Frognocker was mentioning that it would be difficult if they did have differing political views um, to deal with that. And I think that one of the things that I was reading about, again, is how do you deal with major differences? With When you're conversing about these deep issues, one thing that I thought was really important is setting ground rules on the conversation. Um, How do you talk about really important issues without getting personal, without getting too emotional? I have a hard time with that. I'm just going to admit that. So here's an interesting, to go back to the very beginning of this, Mm. because we've talked a little bit about politics and religion, and I think how do you have that conversation when the biggest difference is around sex? And it's early on. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about this again. Okay, let's go back to this. Because I think it's important. So, and, and as a background in my marriage, that was one of the things we fought about the most. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, in what way? Difference in interest. Okay. Who had interest? <laughs> um, at that time, the it was it was more him than me. I It was something we fought about all the time because it was trying to, mm-hmm. and I don't want to go into my marriage because that's you know but but it's part of this conversation the point of of it is is early on in dating how like because in dating in the beginning beginning everyone's so in love and happy and blah it's all hot and heavy right but (laughs) but and it's hard because that's such a personal topic it's such an uncomfortable topic it can be and what if you're dating someone and okay i will use this example okay oh god mom and dad i hope you're not listening they're listening um I dated a guy for about four months a few years ago. Mm. In the four months that we dated, we had sex twice. Stop! And that's early on in a relationship, right? So you've got to know. And we never talked about it. That does not bode well for the future. (laughs) Mrs. Frognocker is laughing. So so my question is. Wine's coming out her nose. How do you you broach? Because you can have a, I think. (laughs) Two adults can have a civil conversation about politics or religion if you come into it knowing that you're different. But how do you have a conversation about something like sex, sex? or parenting or something that's so well, deeply... I want to say sex is, is on a different plane altogether. Like you can't even compare it with any of these other topics because it is so deeply personal and it goes to the heart of who you are, how you grew up, your religious background. It's kind of, it's, it's all up in there. 
<laughs> so to speak. Sometimes. <laughs> so, and sometimes, sometimes not as often as you might want. But. But. <laughs> but so, so Dr. Oh Frontnacher. my gosh. How would, like. I don't, I don't know. What do you think about that as a psychologist? How do people bridge gaps like that? And it doesn't have to be specifically sex, but really intimate uh, things like that, really think, personal things. Well, I think, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. One of the metaphors that came to me in seeing mm. people over the years is if you, if you launch on the sex aspect of that. Yes. For me, I, I said, you know, I think that sex is only just sex right in the beginning. I mean, that's when sex is just purely sex. Just physical. Just physical aspect. You don't have all the issues mm. mixed into it. But, and I, I, I saw sex like an avalanche. It starts <laughs> off as a couple of pure snowflakes. And they start coming down the mountain, increasing your branches <laughs> and trees and debris oh. and mud and rocks. And then sex becomes about a lot more than just that original, you know, wow. uh, emotion that was, I'm just attracted to you and you know, and mutual pleasure and those things that can go into sex, it, a lot of the issues of trust and pacing and listening and that then started. And I, and I think that um, sex can become much more complicated with more mature relationships. And uh, so there is, I think there's that, uh, I think that's one of the things about starting a new wow. relationship that could be especially powerful. And maybe that's one of the reasons that people, men included, might be, ooh, I want to have, uh, sex with somebody who I don't have all this baggage with because we don't oh. have all that feeling I want to start with a clean slate with someone yeah just a couple of snowflakes right exactly it's and then the skipper's off and, <laughs> and running through the door right well and it's funny because I mean just full disclosure usually when we talk about sex and the frequency of it or I don't know like the complications of it it's usually like the idea is, oh, men, men want sex more than women or men want, can have sex without being tied down to someone. And I have to say, like, for me, it's usually the other way around. Like, I feel like I'm the one who wants more or <laughs> and it's hard for me to talk about that because as a woman in our society, I feel like I'm not supposed to want it more or but I will tell you, you're not alone. A lot of my good friends have, have <laughs> shared with me that they feel like, and it's, you're right, there is a societal sort of norm. Yes. But a lot of my women friends say they feel like there's a guy in their relationship. I because say that all the time. They want the sex more. And I don't know that that makes you, I don't think you have to have a penis to want sex. Is it, a, is it an age thing, though? Is That's what I wonder, too. Is it like as we get older, like the testosterone is higher the estrogen drop I, I don't know. know I'm not a doctor but you know who is <laughs> Dr. Dr. Pinecker yes but I mean that is I, I'm just gonna tell you that is a complication because I think again it's it's me that wants to have the conversation and it's and so not only is it an awkward topic but then the fact that I'm the woman it to me it complicates it even more that I'm the one who's like so we need to talk about this. Well, it is interesting that uh, my wife, who's also a medical professional, we uh, we went to a uh, conference once, continuing education, mm -hmm. talking about sex and relationships in oh. the 60s and 70s and beyond. 
by this expert in kind of uh, sex and uh, with aging. And it's kind of interesting. You did say that as uh, we age, that the men are more likely to be the ones to kind of check out on the ah. sexual side. And, uh, and I think we're talking about people that are a little bit older than you. <laughs> this makes me feel slightly better and also slightly sad. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think that you may have touched on some of it. Some of it is physiological. Mm -hmm. Lower testosterone levels mm -hmm. provide kind of less urge there. And some of it comes back to um, you know, physiological issues like performance not being like it used to be. Okay. When you were younger and embarrassment and uh, maybe uh, if, if you have a few uh, episodes of dysfunction. Right. And then you know, that becomes kind grandpa of anxiety, right? <laughs> Going back to episode one, Grandpa Flopsy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, exactly. So the, the men may kind of unconsciously, out of their awareness, um, want to avoid the whole ramp up mm. that as not they end up with kind of embarrassing or disappointing uh, things. Okay. So, so it was kind of interesting that as we get um, older, too, that orgasms tend to become less simultaneous, meaning that uh, in each session, one person may get what he or she needs, but the other may not. Uh, asynchronous is mm -hmm. the word that you used. The gesture ground rules a little bit on it might not be like that. It's my turn today, but tomorrow it's all about you. But again, this all comes back to conversations because there are things that happen that if we just let it happen and we get in our head about it and we don't talk to our partners, we can build it up to something that is far worse. But like that, you know, that's like you were saying, you know, this is something that happens normally. And if we can talk to our partner about it, we can make sure that we're both happy. We're both satisfied, right? But if you're not talking to your partner or if you have, like, again, I feel embarrassed sometimes because I'm like, wow, I want it more, and I don't know how to say that. <laughs> so how do you talk about it? You talked about it? If you don't have sex, um, it was um, every two weeks or more often. Two weeks? Right. Talk to but, Frognocker. Well, we're talking about older people. So okay. <laughs> in relationships later. I, I know that it would be two hard for you to make it. Two days? Two hours? <laughs> but he was then it becomes very awkward. Yes. To try to come back and yes. then to pick up. And then there's much more pressure on it to have a... That actually makes sense. So, that totally so makes sense. So reinforcing there really needs to be kind of a rhythm to the frequency of mm -hmm. your interactions so they're not as all, all valuable as like if it's, you know, a four-month relationship twice. Good grief. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I, so funny I story. So just as a little side note, because I think these funny stories are funny. You otherwise, I would name them something else. But... Um, <laughs> But it's also Awkward. a little bit of a sad story. Um, but so back to the two times in four months, um, Valentine's Day fell within the course of this four-month relationship, kind of like smack dab in the middle of it. And um, during the evening, he hurt his thumb a little while we were, we were celebrating Valentine's Day with friends. And the next day it was just hilarious because I said, I, I didn't even say anything, but he's like, well, you know. If I hadn't hurt my thumb, you know what would have happened. And I was like, I really don't. Like, I really <laughs> have no idea. I feel like what would have happened is exactly what happened. You're like, we would have played tennis together. Like, <laughs> it's hilarious. I don't know. It was hilarious. But I think Aww. there's a lot of pressure on men, especially in 
at our age range, which is super young. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jackie. To, to be of that sort of heightened sort of drive. Well, because again, and if they're not. They feel yes, like they have to defend it. Maybe there's that. So as much as like kind of the opposite of what I was saying earlier. Like I feel a little bit embarrassed because I'm. I feel like I want it more, but then men might feel embarrassed because they think they should want it more, and maybe they don't, or they just don't have. That, well, <laughs> maybe Dr. Frognovers <laughs> the exception. <laughs> well. I mean, I don't know. It's just, for me, that was an important one because I've been on both sides of that divide, if okay. you will. And and as someone who's still looking for, you know, hopefully looking for a partner, there are certain things that are difficult to talk about early on in dating, like that you might be more comfortable down the line having a conversation. But even four months in, I wasn't able to have right. a conversation to say, is there something we can talk about here? Is there something that right. we can, but four months in is too early. So how early. early on in dating do you right. approach or discuss some of these big, big differences, differences, like parenting or sex or politics or any of these things? I feel like the earlier the better, don't you? Well, but then do you scare people off? By having that conversation. Well, and do you remember? And the question is, is it good to scare people off? I mean, appropriate to scare people off that uh, can't tolerate that conversation. That's a good point. But it also goes back to what you, so you and I were talking earlier about expectations as far as where do we see this relationship going? If you're just having a fling with somebody, you don't need to have those conversations, right? Yes. I mean, first of all, if you're having a fling, then obviously the very nature of that is going to be just purely physical. But if you see it going, if you see the relationship going further than that, then yes, I think hit those topics as early as possible. And that was part of the advice. So one of the articles that I read that was focused on religious differences, um, two of the things that this author, um, whose name was Celia Francone, two of the things that she said were really gauge early on, how serious is this relationship really? And... um, because that will kind of inform how big of an issue mm-hmm. this topic, whichever right. one it is, is going to be. And then kind of as a compliment to that, she said, you know, are you guys both seeking the same thing from the relationship? And so those are bigger conversations that are sometimes tough to have early on for the same reason that I mentioned earlier. Sometimes it's fearful that you're going to scare someone off by becoming <laughs> asking too serious of too questions serious, right. too early on. And it's such a balancing act right. of when and how to have those conversations, but they're so crucial to navigating major mm-hmm. differences. Right. So we were talking earlier, too, about when we were online dating. Were there things that you saw on people's profiles that immediately made you turn away? Oh, yes. So this one's a little hard to admit as well. But so I was raised not – my dad's not Catholic, but my mom is. And so I only ever went to church with my mom. And I'm a, I'm baptized, confirmed Catholic. I'm not an especially good one. <laughs> um, I don't, you go to church on Christmas and Easter? I sometimes go more often than okay, that. Okay. Um, and But I will say, whenever I go to church, if it's I, I only feel most at home in a Catholic church. It's just there's something about it that feels like home to me. Okay. So, but... The, the guy that I dated for four months that we were talking about earlier, he's a Christian in a non-denominational sense, and I went to church with him all the time because our, our religious beliefs were similar enough 
that, mm. and it was so important to him. Okay. But that was something that I was willing to compromise on. I didn't need to go to a Catholic church. I enjoyed actually going to church with him. It just was different than what I would have chosen, and he wasn't comfortable going to Catholic church, right. but that's okay. And it sounds like he went more often than you. But I will tell you, when I was online dating, I, I, um, I don't know if he didn't swipe or swiped left or whatever, whatever. on certain profiles if their religious beliefs were fundamentally really different from mine and they were putting them in there at a promoting them at such a high level I just knew we were in different planes in terms of our our faith because if they had if they had their religion in their profile that to me says this is this is how I'm defining myself it's one thing if it's one of the little categories right but if in their initial statement they're very religious that can be a little bit off-putting but I understand its importance and I have a girlfriend who was recently single who's looking for a partner and for her that's super important right so I think you know yes put that in there make it because that's a huge deal breaker for her but for me sometimes it could be a little bit of a turnoff if it was too strong or if their religious views were completely different from mine. Sure. Um, you know, someone who's Hindu or <laughs> or atheist even is a little hard for well, me. Well, that's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. I'm Christian. I'm not a, a big church-going Christian, but I'm Christian, and, and I don't care what denomination you are, it, but if I see someone who's atheist, I know right away I'm not going to be able to <sighs> – have a relationship with you because you don't believe in any sort of God and I do and that's a big component of who I am I don't go to church I'm not like professing my Christianity but that is who I am so if I see atheists that's that's going to be really difficult for me and that would be a deal breaker do you have any thoughts you, you were looking he looks like he has something yeah to say. he did oh no no I was uh, there's so many things I could say that I shouldn't say <laughs> oh, this is the place to say all those things please no but I, I think that um you know, whether you're talking about religion or not, I think if, you know, you put the flag out there as far as these are my non-compromise issues, yes. I think that's very wise. Yes. And even if that turns a whole bunch of people off and say, I'm really not that religious or, you know, you choose what, what mm-hmm. your religion is and you put that in there and you get less responses out of that, which you probably will. Because right. Because you're kind of putting a filter out there. Yeah. But you're getting better qualified responses when you do get responses, right? But I think it's like, you know, if you go search for something like in Google, you know, the more terms you put in, you're going to start, you know, eliminating the, and, and maybe there's the somebody who's not as religious as you would like them to be, but over time, all the other redeeming characteristics of this, you miss out on, you know, an opportunity there. But I, I can remember, and, um, and this was kind of interesting to me, it's, uh, I had a, a person that I had dated, and we were on the second date or so, and she said, oh, by the way, I'm, you know, HIV positive. Oh, Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, Wait, it was a different person. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. You really decide, you know, second date. Is it, okay. Is this an issue? That That's a big one. To take on? When it, and, when oh, it was wait. revealed to me, it was first date. Oh, shame. And I honestly <laughs> was more comfortable with that because I actually. What do you mean more comfortable? Like, well, there were, so, so it was one of the. <laughs> this gentleman had dated quite a bit. And yeah, had, it sounds like it. it. Certain things. So for me, the HIV status was actually less off-putting then? because I appreciated the honesty than his five divorces. Uh-huh. That was a bigger red flag to me because I feel like so I feel okay. like with 
certain diseases, and HIV is one of them, you can make one stupid mistake. And how many of us haven't made a similar mistake? Seriously. And you can be burdened with that for the rest of your right. life. And I don't think it's fair to judge someone on what could potentially... I don't know him well enough to know his story, but to know that it might have just been one stupid mistake that... Like, I, I just, I can't judge him no, for that. No, I don't. five divorces, I can judge the hell out of that. Well, here's the thing, though. Judging is, is one thing, but not wanting to take it on. That's something different. Because I think you're looking at it as a judgment call, whereas it sounds like Dr. Frognocker might be saying, I'm not judging you, I just don't know whether I want to take this on. And that's a little different. And that's, but Fair I think enough. it kind of launches into when do you disclose important <laughs> stuff like that? Is, is that a... You know, on your profile, you put that up. Some people do. Right. Do they? Okay. Some people. I've seen people do that. And Mm. uh, why would you go through all that awkwardness when, you know, some of the time people are going to go, no, I'm not willing to take that on. Or is that a first date, second date, third date? Third date's a pretty good time to go, oh, I have a progressive neurological condition, (laughs) like multiple sclerosis, by the way. You know, it's not their fault at all. Right. That's just or I've been divorced five times. Yeah, I mean, well, would that have been better argue, to do it in the first? I was honestly, I, I really, I, so I really appreciated that he was very forthcoming with that information because mm. he probably doesn't want to invest his time in getting right. to know someone who's not going to be tolerant of these things. Right. And um, at the same time, I did have to ask him. You didn't bring a ring with you to this date. Like, you're not going to propose to me, are you? <laughs> <laughs> he said no. He, I, was safe. I was safe for that particular right. incident. Well, that's a second date. So, so sure. okay. So I have one. So, well, let me finish. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Ooh, sorry. That. But I thought it was kind of interesting. And then in sizing up what I saw with uh, the relationship and the things that might play or might not play out, I decided that that probably wasn't something I wanted to take on. Right. For my initial snapshot of what that relationship could be, and she said. Um, you know, you might want to consider putting that in your profile is, uh, you know, no STDs or, you know, something like that, uh, that you are not willing to entertain that. And I thought that was kind of an interesting way to say it. It was my responsibility to specify. That I'm not willing to. Did you? No. Okay, I I don't. I think that's something that's sensitive and that's, you know, case-by-case and that's. uh, Well, and I feel like if you were to say that, you would come across as being judgmental. Like, you would look like you were super judgmental. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting dynamic. It, it is. And, and it was, I think it was very respectful interchange. That was just kind of a parting comment. Huh. And, oh, by the way, if my HIV status was part of why we don't or aren't right. to continue this relationship, you should probably put that in your, your profile. Well, she probably has some, understandably, some sensitivity around right. that. And so that that probably struck a nerve with her, which is understandable fair. and fair but right yeah i i but it made me realize how you know less complicated uh, my dating was because i didn't have that particular issue interesting to have to share with a potential person and yeah. when do you share that and how do you share that and we've all got skeletons in our closet exactly and some of them are more deserved than others uh, and some of them are, are bigger deal breakers than others right. and some of them require earlier disclosure than others so I was gonna say I had when I was online dating I dated someone for a couple months and I knew he had a child he knew I did not have a child Um, we got along great I really enjoyed him and then he told me one day you know 
I really like you, but you don't have kids and I need someone with kids. And I was really taken aback by that. Um, and his whole thing was, it, it was strange. Like it wasn't even about that you don't understand what it's like to have kids. It was that I want someone to have kids so that they can grow up with my kids. And I kind of, I mean, I, I respect that and I was glad he told me. And we had a very, like you said, a very respectful interchange. But it was hard because I thought, well, I mean, I other than that, like we're we're good. But he wanted somebody who had kids, so that I don't know. It was it was interesting. But I, I think I think the problem with that is <laughs> when we go to we make decisions like this that are often difficult and complicated. Yeah. We like a simple answer. Yeah. It's oh yeah, it's just because of this kid issue. That is probably much more than that. There's other sorts of things, but yeah. that's kind of a neutral. That's an easy one. Oh, to oh that's thing. interesting. And I, I think that. Damn it! What was wrong with me? Right. I, just, <laughs> I, mean, I can see now. You know, <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> right. so much. Right. Um, but I think that it's it, just your politics. I, apparently all. so. But I think, like in any major decision that you make, you struggle through all these issues, and then you kind of come down to that last one and then sometimes it's the easiest one to convey that you say i'm not gonna i'm not gonna buy this car from you because i decided i, I just don't like the warranty associated with uh. it even though there's all sorts of other things that you <laughs> didn't like oh well so parenting is a hard one though and because it i is. have been on the flip side of that coin and i think you probably have been too right yeah so it is hard when you're a single parent and entering the dating world I don't rule men out if they don't have kids, but I do approach it differently and a little more cautiously is the wrong word, but just with a different, a different mindset because when someone has kids, they understand the complications personally of, right. of dating and having kids. And I'm, I'm trying, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings or anything. And I, we've oh, talked about I've heard it all before. It's we, fine. We've talked about this before. Um, but also, having kids or not having kids is one thing. And I will date men who don't have kids, but I... That's good of you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm, I'm open to that, but I do, I do look at it a little bit differently right. because I want to understand... Why they don't? Not, not even why, but... Well, yes, why would... Yes, why would they not have kids but then want to date someone who does? And you could probably answer that because you're in that situation. I mean, it's not necessarily – okay, all right, all right. That is a great question. I decided when I was 18 that I didn't want children. Mm -hmm. I love children. I just knew that that oh, wasn't – Oh, you were great with kids. Yeah. Thank you. I just knew that that wasn't – I don't know what to say. It wasn't in my plan. It wasn't in my – I had other things I wanted to do, and it didn't include children. Um, having said that, I absolutely love kids. And when I got out of my marriage when I was 41 years old – I remember thinking to myself, huh, interesting. Most men that I will date will have kids. Will have kids. And I remember thinking about that and having to kind of turn that around in my head. And I got really excited about it because I thought, how perfect is this? I get to be in kids' lives, but they're not mine. So I love that idea. See, and I love hearing that because <sighs> you and I haven't had this this aspect no. of this conversation before. And and that's something that I've never yeah. been able to fully understand about potential partners who don't have kids. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, if you made a choice not to have kids, does that mean that you don't want to have my kids in your life? And that's that's such a valid question. But no, for me personally, I will just say I don't I can't I can't explain why I didn't. I just knew that that wasn't 
part of my journey. But I love other people's children. And I always felt like I was the favorite aunt. You know, whether or not they were my bled children. Like, I just wanted to be in kids' lives as the adult who wasn't their parent. So my partner has children, and I love being a part of their lives, but they're not mine. They're not my children, and I know that. Um, and they'll, and we've had, he and I have had discussions on, you know, what my role is, and we're still working that out, but I love his children, and I love being a part of their lives. That's really great. The other issue that I run into, I love that. Thank I you. I love that. The other issue I run into with parenting mm-hmm. is potential partners who parent so differently. Oh, sure. And I will tell you, one of the reasons that four-month relationship ended at four months beyond the sex issue was <laughs> he had nothing to do with his kids. He had two daughters, and he wasn't in their lives. Oh, no. And so I was like, I can't, I can't be in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be in a relationship with his own kids. So how you parent is, I think, more important than whether you parent. And can I ask you about this? Sure. So Dr. Frognucker is has has children, and his wife did not have children. And has that ever been an issue? No, it's always an issue. <laughs> okay. Mean, children, kids are always an issue, and the step-parent, uh, there's always an issue there. And uh, it's difficult to navigate those relationships with exes. And uh, so I, I think uh, that adds just a whole other wild card to the whole relationship issue. And I think that, um, you know, that's probably one of the more complex aspects of an otherwise pretty frictionless marriage is just, you know, visitation and trips sure. and planning and vacation mm-hmm. and, you know, discipline and expectations. And uh, so it's a major issue there. I imagine <laughs> would have been you know, smooth sailing yeah. uh, had there not been kind of that third you know, variable between, you know, two of us. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better that your relationship isn't completely perfect, so. <laughs> well, I think it's as perfect as it can be. That is a tough one to navigate um, because you have other people in your kids' lives and you want to respect and honor that. And at the same time, there's there's a... That's a such so much gray area, so mm-hmm. much gray area, mm-hmm. and everyone has to navigate that gray area differently. Yeah, I, I agree, and yeah. uh, unfortunately, everything you know in my case has gone relatively smoothly, but it's it's a lot more math involved. But you've probably had a lot of great communication around it. You've learned how to talk about it with your wife. I hope so. It's easier <laughs> to talk about other people's relationships. See, I used to joke about this. It's always easier to parent someone else's kids. Oh, it is. Not right. not from a dating standpoint, but like as a mom, like if I see kids oh, out there, I'm, right, like, right, right. I'm like, well, my kids would never do that. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. Like it's an expression I used to use. So essentially what I think we're all coming down to is there are no deal breakers unless you decide it's a deal breaker, right? I mean, there's no... There's no particular issue that is just guaranteed 100%. This is never going to work out. I think I I would probably disagree with you. Oh, okay. I think that we um, all have deal breakers, whether or not we admit to them or are completely aware of them. And unfortunately, sometimes we discover those three, ten years down the road. Oh. And and again, I think that the more self-aware you are and or the more experience that you've Mm. had with other people, that um, you 
start realizing what those kind of deal breakers are. And I think so many times we make compromises at the beginning of a relationship because we're very motivated and maybe even desperate to maybe not be single or to be able to share expenses or to you know, mm-hmm. have, have somebody to cook with or whatever the, the motivation is in the beginning. And, uh, you know, 10 years down the road, we realize, ooh, that was a deal breaker of mine. I just want to <laughs> acknowledge it in the okay. beginning because it was convenient or it was comforting. Right. Or, I mean, it reminds me of a story I had about a, a movie star from L.A. that I saw, and you'd recognize his name. I won't say his name. Is Darn it! I think he's I think he's deceased now. Oh. But he, he married <laughs> he married a young woman from uh, Thailand and the, the, I think the main reason that was relevant is their ideological differences were dramatic and the oh, language sure. was much uh, you know, it was very Different. fragile in English. So they had very little ability to communicate through the beginning years of but she married him, and she got the life of a movie star in the house, and she got to come to the States, and mm. she got all the benefits associated with that. But they had a very painful marriage mm. for decades and decades, and she became increasingly angry oh, over you know, the needs of hers that were not met mm-hmm. you know, over these years. But in the beginning, it seemed like an ideal equation. Mm. And, um, and in the end, uh, the last I talked to him, he was very happy with but she was increasingly discontented uh-huh. with her choice because she sacrificed her values and her needs and her communication, her family, and her okay. kind of religious um, experiences to um, kind of capitulate to what he demanded being a you know, friend. Right. So, so I think maybe to yeah. So we, what I guess I would want to say is. We each have our individual deal breakers, but there's no set standard. For instance, for, for me, a deal breaker is married men. I don't want to <laughs> date any more married men. That's good to know. <laughs> but, but what if they're separated? And, no, you know, no, no, no. Like 100% divorced. Divorce, divorce And like years later or a year. <laughs> Give it a year. <laughs> I would just like the ink to be dry on. The, I'm like I'm not asking for. Ma- I'm, I'm not trying to baby steps here. I just want the ink to be dry on the divorce. That's all I'm asking for. Okay, okay that's a deal breaker. Yeah. So we we all have certain deal breakers, but there's not like a standard where we can just say this for everyone is going to be a deal breaker. It just depends on who you are. Some people are more willing to compromise yes. on certain things. Some people are more able to navigate those gray areas mm-hmm. and those um, hard conversations. Um, and some people are just more black and white and there is no gray area. Right, right. And a lot of it comes down to your expectations. And, and if you do decide to take on someone who's very different, there just has to be a way to communicate around it. And there are lots of ways and there's lots of help out yes. there to help you navigate that too. So yeah. I think that's important to know. Yeah. So with that said, our next episode will oh. be episode six. What? Oh, hey, <laughs> you guys, 35 countries. 35. Hey, guess Japan what, Jackie? 35. We're big in Japan. Well, we have a listener <laughs> no, no. in Japan. Jackie, we're big in Japan. That's right. We are, our, our international, We've arrived. our international dominion is <laughs> happening. Domination, rather. Dominion, whatever. Domination. Yeah, same, 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 same. Um, anyway. 
But our next topic will be, we're exploring age differences in relationships, mm-hmm. both directions. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a lot of fun. We have a fun guest who um, is the husband of a good friend of mine. And they actually have a very significant and fun age difference. And he's the younger, right? He is the younger. So that'll be fun. And so we're going to have him on with us next time. And also, I just want to say, I've had so many of my friends and family members reach out to me and give feedback, both positive and also constructive. And we just so appreciate that. We appreciate all of your thoughts. And we just appreciate the fact that you guys listen to us. So thank you. Yes, and that no one so far has been mean at all. <laughs> Did you expect meanness? Come on. Well, I don't know about the people in Japan. Maybe that's a mean person. I don't know. Well, that'd be a deal breaker for me right there. Yeah, mean people. Mean are people a deal are deal breakers for sure. Anyway, thank you, Dr. Frognocker. You have been so gracious. You've provided us with so many interesting little tidbits. I really appreciated having really you here. Thank fun. you so much. Very well prepared. Again, I was a little intimidated. Uh, you're coming in. You have statistics. You've got. He's uh, intimidated by us. Yeah, what? You're very well prepared. So. <laughs> well, we want to share something meaningful. I mean, we have our stories, but we like to. We we hope that at the end of the day, someone gets something useful out of it. Yeah. And that's why it was great having you here. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You in your journey. You're welcome. All right. All right. Well, thanks. take care, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.